Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. Today's topic is about growth mindset in running. And to help us talk about this topic, we have two-time Olympian Kim Conley joining us. She gives us an inside view to her compelling journey. We also discuss NCAA championships, a large in-person marathon, yay, and a newly named track. All right, so lots to get to, but before we do, you need to head to a to z running.com, click the word follow, and then on YouTube and all of the various podcast apps and platforms and social media sites, Wherever subscribe you listen. Mm-hmm. to all of those things. And maybe just hit up each one and listen to each one in turn <laughs> for every episode we publish. You don't have to do just that. Just to inflate the numbers a little bit. No. Sounds great. Or instead, what's really, truly valuable is post your comments, your Mm -hmm. questions, your thoughts and ideas and all of that kind of stuff in places where we can see them so that we will interact with you because that's really what we like to do the most. Like this very important question that all of you should be asking if you're not asking out loud, at least in your minds. This was shared by Anne on Instagram. So at Margs and Marathons. Thanks for sharing, Anne. The question is. Does it make sense to do more reps on your weak side than your strong side? So we're talking about things like general strength and specifically in reference to our most recent episode previous to this one when we had physical therapist Adam Homolka on talking about strength and various things that you should be doing as runners. And we thought this was a great question, Anne. Certainly Mm -hmm. we all need to know what do I need to do, especially if it's an imbalance that I'm trying to address. And of course... We are not physical therapists, but Adam is and still is even after he's not on our show in this episode. And so we asked him and he shared his insight for Anne as well as everyone else. Essentially, it's exactly what you might guess. If you do notice, I'm quoting Adam here, that one side is weaker, tighter, or is more challenging to do an extra set on that side until it feels more symmetrical with your stronger side. So yeah, if you have an imbalance, you want to balance it out. But don't go crazy. Don't do an entire workout regimen on just your left side. But instead, that little bit of extra to try to continue to incrementally make those gains back toward symmetry. Very good. Well, thank you all for your questions and comments about our episode with Adam. We know it was really rich in information. So feel free to keep coming back to that because we did do demonstrations and we have that PDF from Adam for you at adazrunning.com. I also want to mention that there is a marathon, in-person marathon, I'm sorry, half marathon, 10K and 5K that you can participate in if you live in the Grand Rapids area or if you're traveling to Grand Rapids, and that's Rivertown Races. And we have a discount that you can still use, even though it's kind of late in the game, A2Z underscore 2021 for 10% off any race. Any of the events. And that event is on April 24th. So on April 24th, and if you have not signed up yet, you still can. Spots are available, but even the code and the discount itself is a limited supply. So jump on it soon. And we would love to see you there. Zach and I will both be there. We'll be there. Yeah. Running the half. Hope to see you there. And now let's get to the world of running. (music) 
As promised, we're going to begin the world of running, sharing some national championship at the NCAA level. So let's just reflect very briefly because we've done this too much and you're hearing too many people do this. Um, One year ago at this time, the NCAA indoor championships were about to begin when everything stopped. Athletes were literally, if you recall us saying this, warming up for events on a Wednesday morning, early afternoon when NCAA pulled the plug on the meet. They were Mm -hmm. about to compete. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. Crazy. So it happened this year. And in fact, it happened in rare good form. Lots of exciting things as these events often promise. And so D1 National Championships this year was March 11 through 13. It was in Arkansas in Fayetteville. And as you might guess, that uh, held some special significance for the Arkansas women's team. But we'll come to that in a moment. First, I want to talk about the men simply because I am enthralled with the performance of Oregon's Cole Hacker, Hawker. Everyone, in fact, in the running community, it seems, is quite enthralled because he did amazing things. So at 19 years of age, a sophomore at Oregon, he pulled off the victory in the one mile for the national title, which is no small thing. But he also did so in a meeting record time really? of 3.53. And not only that, he basically led the entire race. He just put on a clinic for everyone else in the race. It's like, this is a national championship, but I'm way better than the rest of you. Let me show you how. Oh, my goodness. And he did that. And in fact, his last 400 meters was about a 53-second split. His last 200 meters was about a 25-second split. Wow. He pretty much accelerated 100% of the race, just did not stop accelerating until he crossed the line and realized nobody was around him anymore. Wow. That's something special. Yeah. And then one hour later, he ran in the 3,000 meter national title championship and won that as well. Wow. And did so only two tenths of a second slower than the meeting record. So perhaps this was a good event for him. So he (laughs) seems to be in rare form. And there's a lot of commentary around this. (laughs) Exciting stuff. So uh, their coach, this was Oregon's coach. um, Let me try to recall his name for you a moment. It's Robert Johnson, I believe. Um, And he mentioned to uh, Let's Run, uh, at least was posting this, that um, he was planning to pull Cole out of the 3000 meters. He wasn't going to let him run it because he had won that mile because they already had the favorite of the race. Cooper tier of Oregon was in the race and it was in great shape and he was likely going to run well. Um, And they were already pretty confident that they were going to be able to win the national title as a team. Mm -hmm. So he thought save Cole's legs, you know, not cause him any undue harm and that would be okay. However, the score was close enough with LSU in second place that he thought, no, we got to leave him in it just to make sure. And then he won the race and oh, nearly wow. broke the median record. It's crazy. And his teammate Cooper was in second. In fact, the two of them were kicking each other down in one of the craziest finishes I've seen in a 3K in a long can, time. Can people watch it? You can. Okay. So I've got a video link for you. We're going to put it on the website, adzrunning.com, so that you can watch this race. Actually, what the video will do is it will show you a number of things about Cole Hawker's season because I think this is just a great way to do it. Sets up the race, and then you get to watch the mile and 3K and see just how crazy those finishes I love this kind of stuff. It's so good. So exciting. But, you know, Cole Hawker wasn't the only athlete running in the national championships. There were other things happening, and many of them were good. So just a quick note here that the Oregon's men's team did win the meet and did so largely on the backs of their distance runners. They won the 800-meter individual title, the mile, the 3,000 meters, and the DMR. Those are all distance, quote, distance events. They're really more like middle distance events to those of us who, you know, run long distances. Yes. But um, 
they won those four distance events in second place in the 3K and then went on to win two other titles as a team individually. So they really performed stellarly. In fact, I think they said it was the second most points ever scored at the NCAA indoor meet for the national title. That's really impressive. Good X. That's it. But on the women's side... We mentioned this meet was in Arkansas, so home team got the home team advantage. Arkansas's women took the win and did so as now their second consecutive title. Remember, last year was off, so it was back in 2019 indoor championships. And then they won their second consecutive title. Ating Mu, who has been star and rocking the world, especially the U20 world, in the kind of like long sprint and middle distance events, um, she performed in the meet but unfortunately surprised in the 400 by not winning the race. Mm. So apparently that kind of put put a little fire in her gut because she came back in the 4 by 400 meter relay to anchor Arkansas's women's team in a time of 49.5, which amounts to the fastest 400 meters ever run by a female indoors in the NCAA. Wow. So... She was motivated. Maybe she's just like practicing for the trials, like a little prelim finals action. <laughs> it's and and if you don't know, in indoor track and field, outdoor track and field, the final event of a championship meet is the four by four hundred meter relay. And for those of us track runners, that's about the most exciting moment in your life. Every time it happens, no matter what the importance <laughs> of the meet, it's basically like We're the four by four. Down. It's just crazy. It's dark. There's the lights around the it's track. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's pretty great. Not only did she run insanely fast, she anchored the team for the individual event victory. So they won the four by 400 meter relay and the team won the meet after oh, that relay. That's great. So what a moment yeah. for A Thing Moo. Sorry about the open 400, but pulled it off in the relay. That's phenomenal. Exciting. Well, Division two also had their championship, and that was in Birmingham, Alabama, March 11th through 13th. So same dates as the D1. And I'm excited to share this news personally because West Michigan's very own Grand Valley State University won the women's team competition. So congratulations, GVSU. And the men were runner up. So they did well as uh, they did good as well. And this is their third, the females, the third indoor title for women 2011 and 2012 as well. That is quite the program. So as far as Division Two running programs go, there's basically a couple programs out there that like Adams State, Grand Valley State, that you have a healthy respect and or fear for them if you run in that division. Because chances are someone on that team is likely to beat you no matter how fast you are. And their team has a good chance of winning every single title mm. any given year. And their their record proves that. So this is a third team title indoors for the women, but they've got a bunch of cross-country cross titles, country, a bunch yeah. of runner-up finishes. They've got some outdoor titles. Like They've done it all, and they continue to impress. So very impressive performance this year as well. Yeah, and we should also congratulate one of our former guests, Nate Van Holten, who is one of the coaches at GVSU. So congrats, Q. Excellent. Well, let's jump over to Japan for a moment. As Andy mentioned in the introduction, there's a number of reasons why this race is one for the world to be attentive to. First of all, because it's Japan running marathons, and that's always exciting. Yeah. So on March 14th, this was in Nagoya, Japan. They had a an official open to the public a real marathon full marathon sorry race. i jumped on you because no, i got so excited jump, jump up yeah. and down if you'd like if you need to step out of your chair and do some 
jumping jacks. Okay, so in Nagoya, they ran a full featured marathon. That means 5,000 participants in the marathon. They uh-huh. had an elite race as well. 5,000 participants open to the public as well as in the half marathon, 9,000 running. So they did the full thing. They did the real deal. And then, of course, now everyone's holding their breath and they're going to watch and see does something happen with COVID? Does, you know, they only did this because they thought that the numbers looked good enough and the vaccine counts looked good enough to be able to do something like this. Yeah. So we'll see. Can I share the share quote? The I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the quote that was made by Japan Running News, and that's, barring any resulting spike in infection numbers later this month, Nagoya was a beacon of hope that this fall will see all those who could only watch from a distance this time get their chances on the streets of Boston, London. Tokyo and the world's other major cities. Absolutely. So we're we're crossing our fingers, and, hoping there's no more virus. And naturally paying just a little bit more attention to Japan than other places with the Tokyo Olympics yeah. looming. That's not really the right word, but uh, we're excited for them and wanting to just see what's going on in Japan as we near those summer dates coming. Mm-hmm. So just a quick note update then on the results of the Nagoya Marathon here. Mizuki Matsuda with Daihatsu ran 2.21.51 for the win. Now, they did report that it was less than ideal conditions, especially for a marathon, windy and not not comfortable for Mm -hmm. the runners. So as a result, times tend to be a little bit slower. Even so, on the Masters side of things, you've heard us mention the World Marathon Masters record holder. So Mariko Yugeta, who runs with, by the way, Saitama OIG, she performed in this event at what would have been another attempt at the record fell just a little bit short. But of course, when you're 62 years old running two fifties, getting faster and faster, what can you expect? Really on a windy day, she still performed two fifty four thirty one, which is only two minutes shy of her own current world record. And I should mention that was set just about eight weeks ago. So she's doing something special at 62 years old running, world record performances in you know only several weeks apart i know i'd love to get her on the podcast that was her 110th marathon 110th marathon yeah so So exciting what are you doing for training and tell us so that we can share that with everyone else all right good things going on there in japan and we are going to keep you posted on what they notice as a result of the experience one final thing super quick that ajay wilson her alma mater, the high school in New Jersey, Neptune High School, named their new track after her. So she's our uh, former guest here in the A to Z Running Podcast. So I thought I'd make a mention of that because it's a really cool honor. What an honor. Yeah, yeah. she's got the track. So the, the Neptune High School track is is now the Ajay Wilson something, something, something. And that is really, really cool. Yeah. So very exciting. Now, Andy said one more thing, but we have one more, one more thing, <laughs> because just a quick note, while you're listening to this, the NCAA cross country championships also just happened. This would have been on March 15th on Monday, the 15th. And the reason why we're not going to give you much on that now is because it's too close to publishing date. However, we will share any notable, notable things and highlights next week. If you want to check out the results for yourself, though, we'll put the link in this week's episode as well. Find it on a to Without further ado, let's get to our main topic and our interview with Kim Conley. Growth mindset has been a 
buzz phrase in businesses and organizations in the last few years. And schools. And schools. Zach's in education, so he can attest to that. And life coaching. And everything, in fact. (laughs) You've heard someone mention growth mindset if you have some semblance of awareness of what people are saying around you. I didn't really know much about it. So I kind of did a little bit of background and Zach informed me coming from a world of education. But we want to ask the question, what is a growth mindset in running? According to Harvard Business Review, growth mindset can be described like this. Individuals who believe their talents can be developed through hard work and strategies and input from others have a growth mindset. They tend to achieve more than those with a more fixed mindset those who believe their talents are innate gifts. This is because they worry less about looking smart and they put more energy into learning. Or in a runner's case, worry less about beating people and put more energy into improvement. As one example. As one example. We've brought on two-time Olympian Kim Conley to discuss her incredible growth mindset and how implementing this framework has been important in her progression as an athlete. Yes, and it's really important to remember, and I want you to kind of think about this when you're listening to Kim talk, that the concept of mindsets in general, and especially all of the research that's been done, look up some of Carol Dweck's work if you really want to see research behind mindsets. But what you're finding is that these things are contextual, so that a person who says, oh, I have a growth mindset, as just a blanket statement, the question is, in what situations? Because you can, in fact, be someone who is relatively fixed mindset, like me, for example. I have quite a few fixed mindsets about things that I think will never change. I'm also somewhat pessimistic. And so as a consequence, think things, if they change, will change negatively. But in certain areas, suddenly my mindset is much different. And then it's, you know, the, the more of kind of growth and focus. And so that tends to be true for all of us. The question is how I notice what my mindset is doing in given situations. And then, mm-hmm. of course, what we should be thinking about to try to influence that. And Kim unpacks this for her. It's very amazing to hear from her the inside scoop about her journey. Let's talk about Kim Conley. So a little background on her. Kim has been called an underdog, yet she's a two-time Olympian. And she represented Team USA in 2012 and 2016 on the track. She's an excellent racer and is known for her consistent improvement. In fact, Kim PR'd for 16 years straight, which proves her consistency. Okay. And suggests a growth mindset. That's why we reached out to her to talk about this. In 2014, Kim won the 10K in the, uh, for the USA title in a battle with Jordan Hesse that she's going to talk about in this episode. So listen for that. And in 2015, Kim won the USA Half Marathon Championships, and she holds a really impressive half marathon PR of 109.44. Hmm. And she has, a, she has a list of impressive PRs, but you can go to a to zrunning.com for that. We want to get to this interview with Kim Conley. Let's talk. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, first off, thank you in your track season for spending this time to come on the show. You just had your season opener. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Um, I'm down in Orange County right now and got to race a 10,000 last night. So, oh, sorry about Smokey making his cameo. Um, (laughs) Um, yeah, we're, we're down in Orange County, still in the hotel, going back um, to Flagstaff tomorrow. 
Fantastic. And then next week you'll be racing again too. So you're really like in it. This is race season now. Um, I'm so excited to dive into your progression. You're the perfect person to talk about growth mindset in running because you've had such an amazing career and you have kept progressing, which is unusual, I think, for a lot of runners. And um, so I just want to dive in, starting with high school. I had heard on an, in an interview that even as a high schooler, you kind of had a growth mindset. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, the term growth mindset wasn't one I was familiar with really until a few years ago. But then um, just for fun, I kind of did like I had like a little Instagram thing going for a while where I was going back through my old high school journals um, and just like, you know, pulling out things that made me laugh or whatever um, to share with people. And I found my freshman year of high school um i'd like i'd set a goal of 510 for the 1600 which was very arbitrary i did not know what i was doing i'd run 510 for 1500 meters the year before so i just thought oh what if i could go 100 meters further in the same amount of time um and and so then when the season started and um i can't remember where i started in the 1600 now but it was so far from 510 and, and, but then like over the course of that spring, watching these journal entries, like detail my progress. And then like me, like break down, like, well, if I just make this much improvement and I like, just like broke it down into all these little steps for myself and nobody was coaching me on how to do that. And I was like, I sent it to my sports psychologist that I work with now. And I was like, look at this growth mindset. I just naturally had, <laughs> um, but it, it does help. I mean, I, I have to do it with myself all the time now, you know, like last night I ran, 31.40 for 10,000 and I missed my PR by five seconds and I missed the Olympic standard by 15 seconds. And when you break down that math over 25 laps, it's like very frustratingly close to those goals. Um, but I just like, you know, you like the only way to cope is to like kind of break it down in terms of like, well, that now I have to improve by less than a second a lap to, to hit those goals. And then, and then you make progress from there. And so, um, you know, I just, I wasn't, a great runner starting out. I certainly like wasn't one of the best um, in my local area. And and so having that growth mindset, I think just became natural for me because I wasn't winning races. So just seeking that continual self-improvement was, was the way I found satisfaction. That's profound. I actually, like, as I hear you say that, like I wasn't the top, so I had this other goal at mm -hmm. that time and that developed throughout your running career. Can you tell us a little bit more than th about that? Like dive in just a little bit more to how that perspective of the sport and those goals has influenced your running career. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like going back to high school, um, I just happened to be like, like my, my high school and my city just happened to be in a moment where there were these fantastic runners coming out. Like it was like different schools in the area had state champions all the time in, in California, which is like really good. And when I was a freshman, Sarah Hall, Sarah Bay back then, she was a senior on my team um, and she won all four state titles and cross throughout high school and, you know, multiple state titles on the track. And so I was just kind of surrounded by people that were at a different level than I was. Um, and so, so I just developed this other mindset of like one, how do you contribute to a team like in cross country? You know, I, I kind of like found satisfaction in like having a role within the team that, you know, wasn't about being the number one runner. And then also like on the track, being able to, to PR and, and make it to the section meet and then, you know, eventually get to the state meet. I just had all these other like rungs on the ladder I was achieving. And so um, I just 
I, I adopted that mindset early and I carried it throughout my career. And, um, and I did end up going on a 16 year PR streak. Um, it wasn't until I was injured in 2015 that I finally broke it or like it stopped, which was a bummer, but, um, it was definitely a good run of years. <laughs> yes. That is absolutely incredible. Like, how do you think that you were able to do that? Well, I think one, I was fortunate in that I, I stayed healthy for so long. You know, I didn't have setbacks that like, you know, took me out of an entire season. Um, and then, you know, I guess there's an element of like, when you're starting out, if you're not really, really fast and there's more room for improvement. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was just the, the ability to just like, to just see, you know, like be, be happy and satisfied and, and eager to, to even take like a second PR. I've just, I've just never been someone that has PR'd by a huge chunk of time. It's always been kind of like these, you know, in the 5,000 say like, you know, five or six second PR is, is pretty normal for me. Mm-hmm. Which, which lends itself to that, that momentum because you can yeah. just keep chipping. So I'm, I'm curious, Kim, because whenever we were, anyone talks about mindset, uh, one of the things that, you know, makes a person productive in their mindset is that they don't look at something and say, I can't. They might say something like, I can't right now, or I can't yet, but they never say definitively, I can't. However, we know that even in your superhumanness of these 16 years and on with this running career, um, we know that we're prone to doubt and self-doubt at times. I'm curious if there have been significant moments during that progression where you doubted and potentially started limiting yourself in your thinking. Yeah, I mean, there's always doubt. Um, and there, and I'm always wrestling with what I think I'm capable of achieving and then what I'm actually achieving. <laughs> um, that that has been there from the beginning and it still exists today. I went into the meet last night absolutely believing that I was ready to run right around 31 minutes and, and everything in my training pointed to that. And, and then last night I got back to the hotel like feeling a little bummed. And I was like, then I had to laugh at myself. I was like, I've never PR'd by 35 seconds and anything in my life. Why, after all these years, did I convince myself that this was going to be the night? Um, but you know, it's, I don't know. I, I, I also like, I also don't want to lose that, that mindset and that belief that one day it, it might happen and I might just completely knock it out of the park. And then the other thing is sometimes that you have moments where you knock it out of the, you knock it out of the park even with the five second PR. So like my Olympic trials race in 2012, that was only a five second PR. And that, that was part of the beauty of that race is on paper. I don't think anybody counted me as someone that could make that Olympic team, but I knew in my heart, like, Hey, I only have to run five seconds faster than I ever have before to get this Olympic standard. I was like, and that's what I do. Like the five second PR is like in my wheelhouse. <laughs> um, and, and I knew that it was possible that I could contend for a top three finish. And so you know, that's an example of like m the, the like really hard outcome goal of making the Olympic team. Like, did I have doubt around that? Absolutely. Um, but I just, I knew in my heart that it was possible. And so I was willing to try. Hmm. Well, that's part of like the classic growth mindset is embracing challenges and then pursuing to overcome them. And you just gave an example of that and you had no doubt you like went in, tackled the challenge. Are there some other examples of times that you've had to do that? Um, yeah, I mean, in two years later in 2014, um, I 
was racing the 10,000 and, um, and I, and I really, really wanted to win my first national title. So again, that, you know, was like a big kind of like breakthrough moment that I was seeking. Um, and then the way the race unfolded, um, I, I ended up doing a lot of leading, which isn't ideal. And then Jordan Hesse just pounced with 200 meters to go. Um, and I think, you know, most people would bet at that point, like the race is over when, when someone sits on the other runner for the entire race and then kicks with 200 meters to go, like there's no coming back from that normally. But, um, but what I've learned to do, I think because of that whole growth mindset is also just like really focus in on like what you can control in a moment. And so on the top of the turn, all I was thinking was no gap, no gap, no gap. And so I just like zoned in on her, like she had made this move, she got in front of me, but I was able to not let it grow. And then once I came off the turn into the last hundred meters, then that's when I was like, she, she swung wide and lane one opened up and I was suddenly like, I have an opportunity. I'm going to get by her again. Nice. That's such an exciting race. I was, <laughs> I was reading about it and I'm like, oh my goodness. Ah, that's like the, a, a, a dream moment. And we, I listened to uh, another interview that you did talking about like vis visualization and mm -hmm how important that is for you too. And, you know, with both embracing challenges and then believing in this result, how has visualization played a part? Yeah. I mean, I, I visualize all my races beforehand, usually like a week to 10 days out. Um, it just, it, it helps when, when you get to the start line or, or, you know, or in the hours before or whatever, and you feel like you have this like big daunting task ahead of you. Um, I feel like when I've visualized all the stages of the race, then I can like break it down again and just be like, okay, like, no, I've already done this in my mind. I've run this entire race. And what was step one again? And then you're just sort of like in that moment, you're like, all right, like just get off the starting line or just, you know, like attach yourself to the pack, whatever, like that, that kind of goal and step you've created for the beginning of the race, then you can just like zone in on that moment. Hmm. That's huge. I, I wonder too, you gave the 2014 example, um, you know, when many of us visualize races, we visualize ourselves being the one with 200 meters to go to go around everyone and break away. Right. That's that's kind of like the dream moment in, you know, in a race. Um, and so when it happens to you, you know, there's you can see it and you watch these races with people and you can see it on their faces when someone just decides that they've lost in that moment. And most people do in that moment, but you how, didn't. however you didn't. Um, but, but that's, you know, that's a key factor. And, and I can't remember exactly who we were talking to recently about this, who said how important it is to, to consider ahead of time, the worst moments in the race, mm -hmm. especially. And you know, what, what we're visualizing, especially make sure we're paying attention to those moments that we know if they happen and if they happen in that way are going to be bad and we need to be prepared for that. Um, and so, you know, I, and I'm thinking then, of course, there's, there's a lot going on in our own heads, but then there's also those external influences too. So, you know, you can't necessarily control what other people are going to do in the race and you end up having to lead quite a bit of it and, you know, situations like that. Um, but also even, you know, potentially how other people plant doubts in our mind. And so like in that moment, if, if, if you can just reflect a little bit longer on that with us, when, when Jordan Hase goes around you, does that tell you like, because she did it and because she did it in that moment, does it tell you she she's going to beat me or does it just tell you it's one more challenge to overcome? Like what is, what does that kind of happen in your head? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think in the moment there was a little bit of both. I think about a lap before 
she had started like clipping me from behind and I just got this feeling that she was just like ready to go and like wasn't allowed to or something like you know Alberto had told her like you have to wait till 200 meters to go and so I was kind of like oh my gosh like I'm working so hard up here and she's just like can't even control herself <laughs> but um but also that race the the way she ran that race it did feel very orchestrated like you know like I think I may have even heard Alberto like telling her when it was time to go and and there's something about that to me that's like not um not like natural or organic enough like like I wanted that race for myself like it like it's just different like the the level of like heart and desire I I was going to put into it um it was a home meet for me you know it was in Sacramento and, and that's where you know I went to UC Davis which is like 20 minutes down the road and stayed in the Sacramento area um for my career and my sister was getting married and so family from all over the world had flown in they flew in in time for my race beforehand and so the stands were just like packed with my people <laughs> um and so they just I don't know I just felt like she was running this very kind of like tactical race that was just like it was like Alberta was giving her the signal and then she was going to make her move and I was just like for so many emotional reasons I was just like no this is my moment um, and so I think that was where I was able to kind of like overcome that feeling of like, oh, this is over and just like, like leave my heart out on the track. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Oh, that must've been a great moment coming it across the line. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Um, so speaking of competitors now in that race, it sounds like to me that Jordan wasn't a blockade, like she as a person or other competitors that you that you uh, race against are not blocking you from your goals. How mm -hmm. do you view your competitors? Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's a great question. Um, it, on, on some level, they are helping me get the most out of myself. Um, and, and so, you know, it's like, absolutely, am I competitive? Do I wanna win the races? Yeah, um, but I also, I also appreciate having having them around and I I really prefer and and kind of thrive off those really heated battles um and so I I really like being in races where I'm like oh like anybody could take this um that so so for me it's like oh I, I want to be surrounded by people that are all kind of evenly matched and you know it's just going to be a dog fight to the finish yeah those are exciting ones for us to watch yeah. you do too <laughs> they are <laughs> That's awesome. So we talked about some launching points in your growth, uh, different moments that you have increased your growth throughout the years. Can you think of any more that you'd like to share with our audience? Um, well, 2016 at the Olympic trials um, was a, a really different kind of like challenge and obstacle because I... I had my heart set on making the team in the 10,000. Um, and it was just, it was like the goal that formed in the immediate aftermath of like the Olympic trials and the Olympics in 2012. I was just like, I'm coming back in the 10,000. Admittedly a little bit because I didn't make the final in the 5,000 and the 10,000 is a straight final at the Olympics. <laughs> so I was like, oh, if you get to the Olympics in the 10,000, you don't have to worry about the rounds. Um, but I definitely like, I spent four years you know, getting ready to run the 10,000 of the Olympics in my mind. 
Um, and that's why I ran in 2014 and, you know, went for that U.S. title in the 10,000. And I moved up to the half marathon um, and I and I won the U.S. half marathon championships. Um, so I just I felt ready for that. Um, and then at the Olympic trials, I, I was clipped from behind and my shoe came off three miles in. And, um, you know, I mean, since you guys compete on the track also, you, you know how tight you tie your spikes, um, because you're so nervous about the shoelaces coming undone. So I couldn't just slip it back on. I had to like sit down on the track and really like yank it back on. And so by the time I got up, um, the field was just like really far away. And, and I stayed in for five miles trying to catch back up. And then eventually I had to do some critical assessment and realize like, you know, those top three spots are gone. And I dropped out um, to come back in the 5,000. And that was really challenging. I, it, it, it was really hard for me to not feel like I'd failed and to like, I had to just keep reminding myself like, oh, you're still fit. Like all the fitness is there and you didn't even have a bad race. You just had this like unfortunate incident. Um, but still it was just like, you know, the Olympic trials, it's just like, being top three and, you know, making the team like that, that is the outcome goal. Like that's kind of all that matters there. And so it was just like, it was just a little like scary. Um, but, but to be able to, to regroup and then come back and I got the third in the 5,000 to, to make my second Olympic team. So that was like, that was a very different type of challenge. Um, but it was, you know, I think a lot of growth came from that. Thanks for sharing that with us. We were watching the Olympic trials and I remember this. Like, I I mean, we weren't there. We were watching on television. On, on TV. On TV. Um, but I do wonder like a little bit more about that, that time when you're deciding to do the 5,000, resetting your brain, getting ready to go. What was that like? Um, it, man, I remember being in the hotel in the aftermath of the 10,000 and just being like, just feeling like everything was swirling around me. Like I'm in like the eye of a storm right now. Like this is, you know, just like, oh my gosh, what has happened? I just, I visualized everything and and it was just completely off the rails. It was just not how I had pictured. I had a whole plan for like going to altitude, my whole build up to the Olympics that involved like leaving the Olympic trials right away. Like I wasn't even going to stay and watch the 5,000s. And so all of a sudden I was just like completely readjusting plans. Um, but then I finally just relaxed and I was like, I just had to, I had to do a lot of like spinning in my mind. I was like, you know what? The Olympic trials are fun and you are going to see even more of your friends now because you get to stay here longer. I just started telling myself all these like positive things, like kind of like the silver linings um, from the situation. And I relaxed a lot and I just started enjoying the experience. And I was like, now you're going to go out because the 5,000 has two rounds. So I was like, you get to go out onto the track two more times. I was just like, um, I just tried to like soak it in and, and enjoy it. And, and that worked for me. That is an amazing perspective because even in my low stakes <laughs> disappointments, I have a hard time reeling myself back in. So to hear from you that you're able to look for the silver linings and to find the fun in it, even at high stakes, I mean, th that in and of itself is a massive skill to have. Um, it's just really inspiring for me, and I'm sure everyone listening to hear. Um, now let's talk a little bit about how you have a growth mindset in the obstacle of injury and how you've been able to work with that. Mm -hmm. um, it's not easy. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it... it the, the, the biggest challenge in it is like, 
like I've said, you know, like we've been talking about this entire time, like I developed a growth mindset early on. I, I know how to do that. I know how to break things into steps and just climb up the ladder one rung at a time. But, but the hardest part is ass- assessing and being really honest with yourself about where you currently are. You have to know like what's where the bottom of the ladder is. So, you know, the appropriate like next rung to, to shoot for. Um, and I have a really hard time with that um, when I've you know, gotten, gotten out of shape, basically. I mean, I just, I don't seem to have the knack for cross training my way into very good fitness. Um, (laughs) so, um, it's, it's, yeah, that the biggest challenge has definitely been like accepting kind of my current state and then, and then finding the path forward. So if, if you can, this is, this is, I guess my last question on, on this moment, but, um, knowing that a number of people listening to this conversation right now are in that state of, I'm probably injured or I know I'm injured and trying to assess now what are the next steps and how can I climb out of this? Um, so what do you tell, what do you tell those people when you, you know, we all know that challenge. So how do we get to the next step? Yeah. Um, you, you, you have to trust that, you know, you have to kind of like shelve the like big outcome goals. So, you know, whether that is like, going to the New York marathon or being at the Olympic trials or whatever it is for an individual, you have to kind of put that on the shelf for the moment and just say like, what's the next most realistic thing I can do. Um, and you know, so is that, that might mean like, I'm going to be able to run seven days a week again. Um, and then eventually it, it becomes like, well, I'm, I'm going to race say like a 5k and I'm going to accept whatever the result is. And then I'm going to start building my workouts and my training around what that result is. And, and that's hard because, um, we all want to be like the best version of ourselves. And, you know, you know, my, my PR in the 5,000 is 1505. And I always want to be in that shape. Um, but last December I, I raced kind of early in my buildup and I ran 1536 and I just had to swallow it and say, okay, that's where I am right now. And we started doing workouts based on what, you know, putting 1536 into pace calculators and, and my training just really started going well after that. And, and then last night I went through 5k in 1537. So it's like, so I know that the, the growth is there and that the process is working. Um, but again, you know, I, I also want more too. Mm-hmm. Well, we're excited to see what's next, what's more for you. And we'll be keeping our audience updated on everything that you're doing in the sport of running. And we just really appreciate your time. We could have talked to you about a variety of subjects. In fact, I brought up a couple subjects that we could talk to you about because you're just a wealth of experience and information. And we really appreciate how you have shown this growth mindset and shared it in interviews as well. So we really appreciate you, Kim. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. Well, excellent insights from Kim. And more importantly, just being able to experience an an examination of what it means to have these small incremental gains for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk so much about things like like the jump or, you know, the the moment of something. And for her and her career, there weren't necessarily very many like significant now I've arrived kinds of things. And for some, that can be difficult because you kind of basically feel like I'm just never making that leap. 
but she didn't she didn't have to ever make that leap because 16 years later she's amongst the world's best and so in that sense um that's where that mindset piece really was just an attractive conversation there because we're really trying to think about there are a lot of different situations we encounter as runners and what our mindset is in those individual situations can change dramatically one to another and you see in kim's example and in her story where by keeping the same kind of mindset, whether it was a victory, whether it was a significant victory or just a small victory, whether it was a defeat or whether it was altogether an unpredictable experience, that her mindset was largely the same in all of those things. And I think that that is profound and not Mm -hmm. very easy. Yeah. I mean, I was struck with that too. Just the fact that no matter the situation she was in, she was always looking to make incremental gains. She was always looking to improve. So regardless of her place and the things that she could not control, she was still looking at progress as being the key to her success. I want to bring back that Business Insider article. That's okay, Zach. And the author discussed discusses how we get stuck in a fixed mindset and it kind of stuck out to me. So I'm going to read it. When we face challenges, receive criticism or fare poorly compared with others, we can easily fall into insecurity or defensiveness, a response that inhibits growth. We talk about this a lot in running. I Mm. think the whole comparison factor and We also face a lot of challenges, including injury, especially long distance runners. I think many of us, because we put our bodies through so much, have faced some serious challenges that also come with emotional and mental challenges. So how we step out of the fixed mindset and into growth in these triggers, they're calling them triggers, is going to be instrumental in helping us have a growth mindset through these difficult times. So I wanted to put that out there as well, Zach. Um, Any more thoughts? Yeah, so always remembering that it's just as likely a trap to experience a kind of fixed mindset in challenges as it is in successes. Oh. And so always remembering that, you know, I look at a success and think, I've I've done it. Whatever I was doing, that was it. And now I've arrived. Um, Of course, that's never the right answer to any kind of situation because in running especially, there's no arrival. Um, you know, arguably you can achieve a major milestone goal and think this is as far as I have hoped to come. Mm. And in that sense, maybe I think I've arrived. But as runners, our goal is rarely ever to finish a race and then be done forever. So yeah. in that sense, how do I see my in my mindset? How do I see my experiences amidst those struggles and challenges as well as those successes? Yeah. And what is a success? And I think that is also part of the conversation I was on Clubhouse um, in, a, in a conversation in the running club. So join me. If you're on Clubhouse, you can join running. Just listen to the podcast. Uh, but I wanted to mention our conversation was about creating goals and objects, objectives that will last a long time. Well, if, if we have a growth mindset, sure, there might be a point where we hit a PR, but what other goals can we pursue in our growth mindset? Okay, I hit this time, but is that the only thing I'm looking at? Just a time? No. We're looking to thrive in all areas of our life. So what does it look like for us to achieve and have a growth mindset towards things besides a time goal? That's it. So much to unpack when we talk about what's going on in our minds as runners and amongst the many other roles that we have in life. But for now... That's about all we want to do at the moment. You can bet yourself that we'll be talking more about our minds and the psychology behind running in many capacities coming up soon. 
but you definitely, at the very least, don't want to miss any of that new content. So head to a to zrunning.com, look for the word follow, subscribe in all the places, follow on all the social media platforms. Andy's in all of them, in all of the ways, <laughs> talking about running. And that's great. And make sure that you follow Kim as well in her road to the Olympic trials this year. We'll be keeping you updated. And she is a vibrant example of growth mindset. 